Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Welcome to the show. This is Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you had a good last week and were able, if you had heard the show last week, were able to put some of that into practice or to really give some thought to the idea of love. And we talked a lot about how do you love me? How do I love you? And really understanding what love is about and how it's experienced, which is much more important than words. And so a lot of it has to do with, in last week's show, I didn't go into detail. I didn't talk about specific types of persons or gender. I just talked about the human condition. And this is what humans crave. That's how humans are hardwired. That's what works for for humans. And so it was kind of an overall overarching show in terms of really understanding what are some of the basic foundational fundamental things that we can do that cause someone in our life that we want them to feel loved to actually feel loved so today we're going to really talk about relationships and i'm going to give some more foundational just ideas and concepts um, and, and ways to just really do relationship well And so this is maybe Relationship 101, this is Relationship, you know, .org, whatever we want to say that it is. This is kind of a very overarching show today about just relationship and how do we do those well. So I love this quote. I love quotes, actually. And so this is Dr. Seuss. And he's quoted as saying, sometimes the questions are complicated and the answers are simple. I think it's very astute. I think many times we have a tendency to overcomplicate things because the simple thing to do maybe is the hard thing or uncomfortable or we don't really want to do it. And so I really can appreciate this quote and the philosophy behind it because what what happens is we often oversimplify very complex issues and then we complicate the simple. So that's not to say, you know, that relationships are simple. Uh, you know, on the contrary, they're very, very complex. However, there are many things we can do, especially if they're constant, that can make those complex relationships work smoother and help to stop the complex from becoming or getting complicated. And so I frequently am telling clients, you know, there's a difference between complexity and complication being complex and being complicated. See, complicated things are messy things. Complicated things are, are disjointed, um, are, are contradictory. And so what we want is complexity, which means that it's this very deep, interesting, um, you know, unique person that we're trying to get to know and not someone that everything I do goes sideways And they complicate every conversation I have with them or every interaction. And they complicate even moving forward. They complicate the past. And so this is why we want to really work on basic foundational things that cause us to be a less complicated person 
and help us to appreciate the complexity of others and ourselves. So we're going to focus on these basic principles in four different areas as a way to uncomplicate the complicated, right? And to, to really recognize what's a complexity versus a complication. So the four major relationship areas that I want you to really consider is number one, having appropriate expectations for others and ourselves. This is, this is a huge one. We have a tendency to really diminish and minimize and, and accept less of someone or ourselves when it could be so much more. And then the areas that maybe we're not able to do better, we think that we can and, and condemn ourselves for it. And so we want to have appropriate expectations on ourselves. We want to know ourselves well enough to know that, you know, that's not a talent for me or that's a weakness for me, so I'm going to do my 100% best. But if you have somebody else, they may do it much better than I. And being able to say those things and say, you know, I want you to have appropriate expectations on me. Now, if we do this well and in a healthy manner, then we're not making excuses so that we can do shoddy work. We're not purposefully being selfish so that we can act however we want to act and people just go, well, this is the best they have, right? The whole goal of, of, of you being a Christian, you being someone that is really wanting to live an ethical, moral life is that we don't make excuses for ourselves. We explain things, but we're always wanting to be the best version that we can be, the one that God originally had in mind when he created us. So when we have appropriate expectations on ourselves, we're also going to be much better about having appropriate expectation on others. We won't be needing everybody outside of us to be perfect so we feel good inside. We're much better able to just manage that they're human. And for the most part, I have to tell you, most people are really doing the best they can because truly, if they could do better, why wouldn't they? It just doesn't make sense. So we can have grace and mercy for ourselves and for others. And then we want to learn to respect gender, temperament, and personality differences. And so we want to understand the male and the female hardwiring. Wh whatever that means to that person, we want to be able to respect that. And so we want to make sure that we really respect temperament. And temperament is things like, am I an introverted person or a more extroverted person, right? Am I really, really orderly? Or am I kind of, you know, loose in that area? I'm kind of free-flowing, kind of fly by the seat of my pants. You know, how am I hardwired in those ways? And the more that you understand and respect yourself, the better version you're going to be. And the next area that really is Im imperative, that we set and we maintain healthy boundaries. And, and basically, all the boundaries mean is that I know where I end and you begin. So I know where my power lies. So I don't try to jump that boundary, get inside of you, in your head, in your heart, in your life, and change everything around in your head, heart, and life so that my life is working better. It means that I change the things I can, I accept the things I can't, and I work on being the best version of myself. 
so that I don't overly complicate your life because of whatever dysfunction I'm working on. So I have healthy boundaries. I, I'm, a, I'm able to say the word no. And I say no out of respect for others. I don't try to talk people into things I know they don't want to do. And I don't let others talk me into things. And so I set those healthy boundaries that help you feel safe around me because I'm in control of me. I'm in charge of me. I'm maintaining me. So you don't have to think about me. You can think about you and how you be the best version of you. And what happens, we have a really enjoyable time. Even if we're talking about painful things, we can walk away feeling enriched, enlightened, built up, secure, all kinds of wonderful feelings that God is wanting us to have. And the last one here, we want to make sure that we live peacefully, as peacefully as we can in this world that demands instant attention. And that we're able to say, no, that one's going to have to wait. As uncomfortable as that is, the priorities that I'm dealing with right now, that one is not usurping the other priorities that I have. I'm going to have to say no, and I cannot give it attention. It's things like, I can put my phone face down so that I can give you all of my attention. It's these types of things. I don't have to address everything all at one time. And so I'm learning to pace myself as a human in a world that is going faster than me. And if you think back in, in earlier times of this planet, humans were going faster inside of themselves than the outside. The outside world hadn't caught up yet with all the ideas and all the inventions that humans were, were going to do. Well, now we're kind of upside down. All of those things that we created have, are going faster than we are, and we're trying to keep up with it. Instead of saying, it's great that all of my devices can operate at that speed, but I can't. So I'm not going to be stressed out and try to be somebody that I'm not. I'm going to appreciate the help that all these things give me. And I'm going to still be honest and true to self. So let's think of this. You know, each of these areas could be, you know, a show in and of itself. So we want to make sure that we're really doing the complex and the complicated, understanding them, and that we're really working on these foundational principles. So let's look more deeply at this idea of appropriate expectations. So you've probably heard the saying, no expectations, no disappointments. Well, I would say no appropriate expectations, no intimacy. See, it's impossible to have no expectations, right? We, we expect people to drive decently. We expect the paycheck to clear the bank so that we have money for it. We expect the people that we love to be some, you know, polite to us, kind to us. And if we don't, it's grievous. So we all have expectations. We have expectations on ourselves. And generally, the expectations that we have on ourselves are, are not even manageable and are probably not appropriate. And we are probably beating ourselves up with things that we are expecting ourselves to do that we will never be able to do. So we don't have the energy left to actually do the things that we're good at and that God has really designed us to do. So having appropriate expectations doesn't mean I let myself be lazy. 
it means that I am better able to manage those boundaries that say, this is what is going to get done in this day. It doesn't matter how big my to-do list is. As long as I'm alive, I will probably have one. And that's a good thing. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to fit it all into one day so that I get that wonderful, oh, now I'm done. Well, those days may happen very rarely. What we want to live with is the pacing, pacing ourselves. That's why God gives us one day at a time. Imagine if your day never ended. I mean, that's a frightening thought. So thank God that the day ends. And the expectation is to fit in the day he gave you. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about expectations. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And make sure that you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can download the shows right from the website. Um, We are very glad that this, this new feature is available on the website. So you can download the show, listen to it whenever you want. You can send it to um, any of your friends or family. And, and I also want to encourage you to look at Facebook because we are going to be starting some new things this year with the show. We are going to be giving um, some summaries and also questions, like discussion questions. You can do them yourself or you can also do it with a group. So if you would like something like that, make sure you go to the website and give me your email address. And trust me, we don't spam anybody because I don't have anything to spam. So we would just give you the things that you need and let you know if something has changed. So that's CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. So we are talking about just basic relational, foundational concepts that when we put them into our relationships, our lives go so much better because our relationships are smoother. So the first one, in terms of what we're talking about, was appropriate expectations for others and for ourselves. And so this is what I want you to think about, because a relationship without appropriate expectations is like a house with no walls. So if there are no walls, there's nothing to hold up the roof. Therefore, there's no real shelter. So relationships that desire deep intimacy, the kind where you really know me and the real me, and I really know you, the real you, those, those relationships require structure, dependability, effort, commitment, humility, good inter- and intrapersonal skills, and maturity. Because when you really know someone and you're having deep intimacy, there can be great harm that happens if we're not doing it well. And so we're all working on these traits to one degree or another, and and they're not going to be completed, obviously, until the return of Christ or until we pass away. But if they are genuinely pursued on a regular basis with an understanding and a supportive partner, then the chance for a very healthy and meaningful relationship is is very probable. So we always want to look at God as our template for relationship. How does he relate? Well, we have the love chapter. I mean, wow, that, that seems a little insurmountable to me. 
So if my husband's expecting, <clears throat> excuse me, this on a consistent basis, I'm going to probably be failing. But I do use it as a template and a way to kind of be a foundational piece as well as a plumb line. So that I'm always figuring out how far away I am from some of those concepts and how maybe much I'm practicing them. So this is what you want to think about. If my husband realizes that this is my intent and that I'm using like the love chapter as a standard and I apologize and take responsibility when I miss the mark, we do really, really well. See, he's not needing me to be perfect. He needs me to care. He needs me to be bothered if I hurt him or disrespect him. So if we were to make the complex simple, this is what I would say to you. The things that you should expect from a very intimate relationship, such as best friends, lovers, partners, spouses, etc., would be this. Number one, the ability to keep a confidence. This is super important. Can you imagine if God was constantly disclosing all of our prayers to him? If he was telling the world on a daily basis about all of our struggles, everything he knows about us, our past, our present, our thoughts that we shouldn't be having, the feelings we shouldn't be having, the behaviors that we're doing. Could you imagine if God did not keep confidences? See, we just assume that God keeps our secrets and is safe. This is what the enemy of our soul loves to do. He loves to expose human weaknesses. He does it regularly to God. That's what the whole entire process of Jesus was about, is the covering of our sin. Covering our sin doesn't mean it's now okay. doesn't mean it's brushed under the carpet. It means while you're working on it, you're not going to be exposed so that you don't have to have embarrassment and humility on top of the sin you're already working on. That's the beauty of Christ. So that's what we want to mimic in our relationships. We want to keep a confidence. So if our spouse, our children, our sister, our brothers, whoever our best friends tell us something in confidence, then we want them to know that it's safe, that that confidence is safe with me, that I'm not going to go gossip about it and enjoy deriding the person behind their back or throwing them under the bus, and I'm not going to judge them for it either. You know what it feels like when you think someone that you're telling a confidence to is safe and all of a sudden they start spouting Bible verses to you because you're sinning? You know what that feels like to be condemned and judged? One of the worst feelings is to feel judged. So we want to remind ourselves that the only true judge is God. He's the only one righteous enough, perfect enough, holy enough to judge all the rest of us. That doesn't mean I don't judge behaviors as to whether or not they're fruitful, positive, negative, helpful. I absolutely judge the effects and judge whether or not it's helping me be who God is actually wanting me to be originally. But I don't judge in terms of now you are less than. Or on the scale of whatever humans, I'm making it vertical. So I'm one up on you because I don't do that. I don't have that problem. That's the kind of judgment that Satan loves. So we keep a confidence. And that, and the second thing, when, what we talked about, is that we're, we're committed to not judging the person. We trust the process with God. So if we can't do this, you can't have intimacy. Because you're probably not a safe person. So here's what I want you to understand. 
Safe does not mean perfect. I'm a very safe person to a lot of different people for more than 30 years. That does not mean I'm perfect. It means I'm trustworthy, very trustworthy. So if you can't trust a person is, is working as hard on their life as you are on yours, you're going to have difficulty with that type of intimacy with your peers. You want your peers, your confidants, your friends to be working on their own life. And you're working on yours and we're all working on our own private, personal, public problems, whatever it may be which causes us to have less baggage that we bring to relationships, and it also causes the rest of our community to not be burdened because they know that we're working on it, and I know they're working on theirs. So it doesn't mean that we don't occasionally operate in, in roles that may be parenting or may be um, as an authority, but this is what you want to really be careful about. You want to recognize that if your role is that consistently, you're not going to be able to have the intimacy that you want in the relationship because that, that is a relationship of responsibility. So if I'm talking to one of my clients, I'm not going to bear my burdens on, with them. I might share things that have happened in the past. I might say, hey, that's kind of common to, to everybody. I might tell them a story about myself. But the role that I'm playing is one of carrying their burdens. But if I had to do that with my husband all the time and my friends, and I had nobody that was helping to carry mine, it would not be the intimate relationship that really brings health and healing. So you have to be able to trust God with their process as well as your process. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue to talk about what appropriate expectations for intimate relationships really are. Well, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I always like to remind you that all these shows are on your favorite podcast servers, and you can always go to iTunes if you have a particular podcast that you'd like to listen to, and we're probably on the one that you prefer. And if not, please email me, let us know, and we'll see if we can get the shows loaded onto that particular um, server. Also, you can now download the shows from my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can also email them to your friends or family. So I would love it if you would do that. I like the fact that people are being able to listen to the show and it gives you great conversations to have so that we don't just fall into gossip and we don't just keep lamenting and complaining about our problems, right? We can talk about new things that we're learning and new things that we can try. So we are talking about relationship 101 or foundational principles for relationships. And the first one that we are talking about are these out of the four areas is this one of appropriate expectations for others and ourselves. And so that we talked to the last se segment about the ability to keep a confidence and not judging the other person, but trusting that, that God is in charge of that process. And we are to be a compassionate witness in their life, not the parent, not the judge, not the jury, not the executioner, right? And so the third thing that we want to really practice when we are really understanding how to do just appropriate expectations 
is that we practice decency and politeness. I mean, this is, this is a must. If you can think for a moment what it feels like when you're with a polite person, a decent person, someone that is careful with their words, that is, is polite in terms of listening, that takes care of their side of the street, that manages themselves well in public so that you're not embarrassed or uncomfortable. So decency and politeness, this always indicates respect. And usually when you do this, you're going to bring out a better version of somebody. They're going to calm down, they're going to relax, and they're going to find the ability to be more authentic. They won't have to be so guarded and so um, just like prescribed so that they're trying to be somebody that they think you want them to be. So we want to practice being decent, careful about tone of voice, maybe the words that we choose, careful about topics that we talk about, you know, really making sure that we're not trying to use that time for debate or trying to win somebody over maybe to our point of view, but that we're being willing to accept that everybody's in a process and that really it's God's problem. So if people are interested in my point of view on a particular topic, I'm very willing to share it, but I'm not going to share it in a way that's trying to sell it. I'm not sharing it in a way that I'm trying to convince people of it. I'm just simply saying, hey, thanks for asking for my point of view. This is how I feel. This is what I think. This is why. This is how I came to that conclusion. And that's very different than me debating with them and telling them to win them over to my point of view or judging them for not thinking the same way I do. So I'm polite. I try to show up on time. Anyone that knows me very well knows that I struggle with time. Because I get involved and I don't want to end and go to the next thing. And so I have a tendency to run a little bit late. And I work on that. And one of the reasons, <clears throat> excuse me, that people are so forgiving of my time issue is because I give extra time as well. And they know I'm working on it. They know I know it. They know it bothers me. And they know that I'm working on it. So they don't have to carry the burden and try to teach me. They can just care and pray for me and say, hey, look at you, you're on time. And we can all be happy, right? <laughs> so we're coming up to, you know, the end of this segment. Please stay with me. And, and I appreciate so much you listening. I appreciate all your comments on Facebook and, and on all, you know, the different social media avenues that we have. And I really appreciate your willingness to be taught and to want to be the best version that God has created you to be. And to really impact the world that he has put you in. So that you can be a change agent for positive, for good. And that you can also enjoy being loved deeply and loving others deeply. So join me in the next segment. That's our last one for the day. And we are going to talk about expectations on yourself. And what it is to have hard times, confusing times, times of doubt, and that you are wanting to be a person that you can depend on, that you are securing, and that you are able to feel comfortable with your own morality. And you're able to be forgiving when you cross your own lines. And when you go against your own value system. Because that's a tough one. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk about having appropriate expectations on yourself 
and expecting to have hard times and confusing times in this world. Well, good afternoon. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining. If you're just tuning in, I want to make sure that you can listen to the show in its entirety. You can go to any podcast servers. We're probably on most of them. And if we're not, email us and let us know. And you can also go, now go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And you can download the show directly from that, and you can send it also to your friends. And we are doing some new things this year where we are hoping um, some people are wanting to make small groups and use the show as part of the way that they are educating that small group, educating themselves, and we will be more than happy to provide you with kind of a, a short script of the show and also some discussion questions that might help to talk about it. So thank you so much again for all your support on social media and just your willingness to really learn and to really be the best version of you, to be your own best version, which I'm so thankful that you are pursuing. So we left off in the last segment talking about decency and politeness. Now, this is an appropriate expectation to also have on yourself that I really have an expectation on myself to be appropriate and polite and decent, even when other people are not. I don't allow other people and their behaviors or their attitudes or whatever it may be that they are doing to then give me permission to let go of my own value system and act in a way that's not becoming to me. So those are boundaries. And those are appropriate expectations on myself that I do my side of the relationship well, as best as I can, and not be condemning and judging if someone else is kind of losing the program. So I'm still going to do my side of the street well. And that's the greatest example of that. I just want you to think about when you're driving. So if you're driving and somebody gets a flat tire, right, at a high speed, don't you drive better while they try to get control of their car? Or what if someone, I don't know, may be intoxicated? Don't you drive better? so that they can get control of themselves if they are willing to? Don't you make sure that you have enough distance so that you don't be harmed by them? So this is part of having appropriate boundaries and expectations of doing your side of the relationship well. Not jumping, you know, you don't like leave your car and jump into their car to try to drive it for them. You really just do yours better. So we want to make sure that we're growing, we're maturing, we're using our voice to ask for what we need to express our feelings appropriately, and we don't expect others to read our minds. We also work on picking up on social cues and subtle cues. So we make sure that as you're holding the other to the same standards you have for yourself, that you're actually practicing the things you're expecting from others, right? And that you don't have that become a source of pride of thinking like, well, I'm doing really well and I don't do that and they do that and wow, what's wrong with them? What problem? Wow, they've got problems. That we don't use the fact that we're doing well to judge somebody else. We just thank God for his mercy and his grace that somehow he's empowering us to be better than what we would otherwise be on our own. 
So the next one, we're going to expect to have hard times, confusing times, right? And we're going to make sure that those boundaries that we're practicing include not having an over-dependency on another person for our peace. This is what children do. This is what we depend on God for. God says he is our peace. Well, I can't be another human's peace. It's not even possible. I can be peaceful. I can do everything I can to help there be more peace in their life in terms of my side of the street. But they have to really manage their own peace. They have to have their relationship with God, a higher source than me or themselves. They need to expect to be immortal, and I expect myself to be mortal, and I expect that from others, that we are mortal beings. And we're in, in fallen bodies and minds. And the fact that we do anything good is pretty amazing. And so we want to have those appropriate expectations when it comes to times of doubt, that maybe we're even doubting our faith, that we don't judge ourselves for that, that we just be honest with God about it and tell him. And that we're really, truly making sure that as an adult, we are managing our own needs and we are not expecting others to manage those needs. So we major in the majors. We don't major in the minors, right? We work on focusing on the positives. We thank God for, for doing these things regularly. We ask ourselves things like, you know, is this, uh, in the course of eternity, is this going to matter? Is this criminal? Is it illegal? Is it immoral? And you beware of legalism, right? Is this the way I would like? Is this the way that's comfortable for me? Should I be adjusting my behavior? Should I be adjusting my thoughts? Do I need to get a hold on my heart? And I do self-reflection and, and personal inventories. So what's another expectation? Well, I think that it's a decent and it's uh, realistic to expect attempts at honesty. Now, that may sound funny because maybe you're expecting me to say that people are honest. Well, honesty is, is quite frightening. And so God is very respectful of our secrets and our lies and how much we might shade the truth and cover things and hope that nobody notices because he knows that part of the fall was that all of a sudden everybody knew they were naked, right? Before that, they, they were really okay with themselves. Adam and Eve were okay. They were perfectly at peace with themselves. And then the fall came. Sin entered the world, and all of a sudden they were afraid, they were insecure, they had lots of negative feelings, fear, and they knew they were exposed. So you have to understand that God is very aware that honesty is tough, and honesty takes effort and work and commitment and practice. And so one of the best ways to be honest with others is to be honest with yourself first, if I'm honest with myself and I'm honest with God, I'm not nearly as afraid to be honest with others. If I'm not honest with myself or with God, I want to hide everything because I'm afraid of being found out. I'm afraid of things being discovered that I don't want people to know about. So this doesn't mean that I accept blatant and malicious deception from others. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about fostering a relationship with someone 
So there's enough comfortability, enough safety, enough forgiveness, enough mercy that, you know what, they don't have to be perfect. And they can even do things like, you know, I have to tell you something. I lied to you last week. I was afraid to tell you. And I, I need to tell you what the truth is. And that instead of you beating them up for it and going, really, I believed you, saying, wow, that takes a lot for you to do that. I really appreciate you telling me. It's really not your problem if they're lying. See, this is really God's problem. So it doesn't mean that I want you to be with a consummate liar. I, I don't think that's a healthy relationship to, to engage in. But recognizing that we are very fear-based people and that the best way to remove fear is to bring truth. Truth cannot stand with fear. And fear cannot tolerate truth. So when you think about that, I want you to think about, you know, the safest thing is to tell the truth. Now, let me put a little bit of a caveat on that. We're not little children either, though. Okay, if you're listening to this show, you are not under the age of 12, okay? So I want you to make sure that you understand that we don't just have naked honesty all the time everywhere we go. That's like walking out of your house with no clothes on. One of the reasons that God covered Adam and Eve was because they needed covering. Prior to the fall, they didn't need any covering. So part of covering is being appropriate with honesty. And that we don't just word vomit on people our truth. We say, you know, I, I need to talk to you about something. And, and you need to be careful and understand what it is that you're disclosing, why you're disclosing it, what the point of the disclosure is. How is it going to affect that other person if you tell this truth? Is it going to cause them to be disillusioned? Are they more immature maybe in their faith? Are they uh, younger in their way of living? That maybe they would be scandalized? Well, that doesn't mean that you're lying. It means that you're being wise as to what you're telling someone. Think about relationships. As you get to know people, you begin to tell them more about yourself. It's not healthy to tell somebody everything all in one the first night. That wouldn't be realistic and it wouldn't be mature. So I want you to think about the fact that, you know, people are, struggle with honesty. And God knows that. And he's still in relationship with us knowing that we actually lie. So the healthiest thing for us to do is be brave enough to tell the truth and respect ourselves enough to not lie. And the better we do our relationships, the more honest we can be. And the more honest we enjoy being because we then enjoy being known and enjoy being seen, even when we are not at our best. Because love covers a multitude of sin, right? So this is what you want to think about as well. What's another healthy expectation? Well, expect to help the other be the best they can be, right? And this is done through love and acceptance. I'll tell you one of the best ways to help someone change is to simply love them and, ex and accept them. And I told several clients yesterday in my office this idea that God had given me that helped me tremendously when I was having to accept some things that to me were completely unacceptable. 
and I was unwilling. I, 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 I could not accept what had been done. And some of it was to me. Some of it was uh, some other things that were being done. And I couldn't accept it. I said, this is unacceptable, God. This is unacceptable. I'm not going to accept it. And I was very aware of the serenity prayer. So it wasn't like I didn't know that I actually needed to accept. But I just could not figure out how to do that. And clear as day, God said to me very, very succinctly, he said, Cynthia, acceptance does not mean agreement. I can accept things I don't agree with. Now, I try to change the things that can be changed. But when God told me that, it's like he was telling me, I accept everything, Cynthia, or the world would be obliterated. I accept everything. It doesn't mean I agree with very much of any of what's going on. But in order to be in relationship with me, he has to accept me for who I am at this moment. That doesn't mean he agrees with it. But it means he loves me anyways. So God being God can love people that are that are very unhealthy and not be, you know, scandalized and, and not be contaminated by them or corrupted. We have to be careful. So the level of someone's dysfunction has a great deal to do with how close we can be to them without being harmed. That doesn't mean we judge them. It means that we expect them to be the best they can and we love and accept them. And if we can't accept then we need to understand that we're not trying to agree. And we need to figure out whether or not we have to be farther apart from that person if we have to have stricter boundaries in order to maintain our own personal health. So expect to have patience. Expect to be challenged. Expect to be uncomfortable. As you examine yourself, your motivations, your control issues, your woundedness, expect to apologize a lot. These are appropriate expectations to have on others. And expect sometimes to feel like things are one-sided and maybe unfair. And what I'm going to leave you with today, the greatest expectation of all when it comes to relating with others and with God, expect to pray a lot. A lot. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful, blessed week. Make sure that you tell your friends about the show, and we will finish a lot of this next week as we talk more about Appropriate Expectations and Relationship 101. Have a blessed week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.